This is the Grind It Podcast. We know just like grinding a handrail or across the coping can be challenging at times, so can life be. We share God's Word and personal stories to encourage you to keep grinding and to not give up. It's time to grind. So here's the old school skateboarder himself, Randall Tucker. On this episode of the Grind It Podcast, I'm interviewing a guy that I've known for around 10 years now, and we actually started preaching together. Uh, I was um, at Louisville Christian Church here in Maryville, and Gary was and still is at First Christian Church in Maryville. What is, what is our address of the church? I know it's Court Street. 400 South Court Street. 400 South Court Street. So if, if you ever visit Maryville or you come to town and want to check us out, uh, it's right across from uh, the courthouse. Courthouse. Hence, hence the, Court Street. Yeah, on the <laughs> east corner of Court Street. Uh, but Gary's been there for about well, a little over ten years now because you just announced it to the congregation not too long ago. Um, I, I I wrote this in my notes. I said he was either desperate or he took a leap of faith and hired me as as the worship leader there back in August of last year. Uh, and it's kind of been a on the job training and, and on the job learning experience for me because I've always been a preacher. My my degree is in Bible. Uh, don't know a whole lot about music, but. Uh, I can wing it. I can wing it pretty good. Um, Fool me. <laughs> we got a good team. I keep telling you, I got all the faith in the world. <laughs> Thank you for that. That's dangerous. Um, but uh, I sure have been grateful for uh, Gary and, and the church for giving me that opportunity. Uh, Gary, why don't you tell us a little bit about your family, uh, your your wife, and uh, who was just here, just walked out on us and went grocery shopping. Uh, well, my wife and I. Um, met when she was a senior in high school and we got engaged in February of her senior year and we married that August um, and so uh, we will actually celebrate our 42nd wedding anniversary in August. That's a big testimony in our day and time. We have three uh, we have three daughters all uh, beautiful godly women. My oldest daughter lives in West Tennessee with her family. She's uh, she, she and her husband are both educators and um, she's 38, and my middle one is 32, and she and her husband live in Phoenix, Arizona. And um, she actually um, was a missions pastor in one of our large congregations for several years, and uh, is now the stateside um, representative. Um, she raises funds, meets and talks with churches with a, a ministry called Tutapana where they uh, provide counseling in war-torn areas that where they don't have anything like mental health stuff. And then our baby and her husband live in Martin, Tennessee, and um, she's, uh, she's 20, be 29 in March, and got a two-year-old. So we, uh, we have three grandchildren, two, 14, and almost 16. And so that's about the extent of my family, just all involved in their churches and... Uh, and uh, all involved in their communities and and just really uh, appreciate um bad bad thing about it is just being so far from them but that's one of the things with ministry yeah. uh, we end up kind of far sometimes from your family yeah at least yeah. they they have been getting to visit you a lot and we'll talk yeah, later but we'll, we'll talk i'm sure we'll talk something about that here in a little bit but they're living where i'm from and, yep. and where you live for a while and you and i both went to to uh, Freed Hardeman, I think you were. I yeah. was in my undergrad, and you was doing your master's. School, yeah, yeah, yeah. Working yeah. Out masters masters. There. Good old, yeah. Fr- good old Freed. Um, so, you, 
We've already mentioned you've been in, at First Christian for uh, just a hair over 10 years now. Uh, how long have you been in ministry altogether? This, uh, this October will be 35 years. 35 years. Yeah. 35 years. Spent eight of it in youth ministry and the rest of it's been in preaching. That, that's a long time for to be in ministry. Yeah, yeah. Especially when what, what's the average for preachers now? A year, year and a half. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's what my my daughter after after being the the um, uh, first impressions minister of that large congregation and moving into missions minister role. And one day she finally she called and she just said, "Dad, how have you done this for over thirty years? I yeah. I just can't do this anymore. Too much politics, too much this, too much that." I just I got to do something different, and she resigned her ministry there. So um, it's not for everybody. No, is it? no, no. It's not. It's not for the faint of heart. No, that's for sure. It's very difficult. Yeah. Uh, how, how did How did you get in ministry? What What well, led you? Um, uh, actually, we um, we I surprised my wife. I, I married a girl who had been since she was five years old um, riding a bus to a little country Baptist church. Her none of her family went. She, she was there as a child all the way through riding that bus, but she started driving. She drove herself there. She was involved in our youth group, the little youth group they had. And so I, I actually, um, when we met with her preacher, he didn't want to marry us because I wasn't a Christian. And um, so he said, well, I will if you give me opportunity to share the gospel with you. Okay. And so I, I listened. Well, we went about three years, and one Saturday morning... Um, I was reading the paper, and I sat up, and I said to my wife, I said, let's go to church somewhere tomorrow, just out of the blue. And I was not raised in a Christian home. And so we, um, I mean, the only thing she knew was her little country Baptist church, and of course it was about, the average age there at that point was about 90. <laughs> and so she uh, didn't want to go there, so we, we got invited. Somebody invited us to a big Assemblies of God church, and you know that's that was not a good fit for us at all. That's where I started playing drums, by the way. Was it? Yeah, Assembly of God. And um, <laughs> and then we we got invited to a um, to a Baptist church. There's about 300 people. The average age was like our age. Um, they had every kind of thing imaginable for young families, and for at a at a room, they had a, a room that was about maybe 1,800 square feet had rubber matted floors and an indoor playground. Mm -hmm. And then the children's classrooms, and we, of course we had a two-year-old, children's classrooms then were like around that. So that was really cool. And, and so, um, you know, we, we got talking and, and I told the preacher I wanted to be baptized and for whatever reason, that's not their tradition. If I was ready to join the church, I wanted to baptize me. And so really didn't know what to do, but I was reading scripture at that point. I was already studying um, Bible every night, and then a guy named Dan Farquhar, Dan is already with the Lord, um, Dan did softened facial work for us, and one day I noticed, um, this is when I was in building business, building house in Florida, Dan had a different, Dan usually was, every time I'd come on one of our houses and he was there working, they did this, they did that, you know, always griping and complaining. All of a sudden, he had a spring in his step, he had a smile on his face, he was different. Yeah. And I said to him, you know, what's going on with you? You're not, there's not acting like you're usually crabby butt self. <laughs> and he said, oh, you know, that's easy about, you know, three weeks ago I gave my life to Christ. Oh. And so I said, cool. I said, here's what I'm doing. Can I, you know, would you like to get together and just talk about Bible stuff? So he would call me every day 
and tell me where he was going to be working. And I'd go there and we'd have lunch together and we'd study scripture together. And, and, um, and finally he invited me. He was part of a small group out of um, what my home church is, Christian Church in the Wildwood. And he, they had this uh, small group that met and it was all people from different walks and stuff part of this. And I got to ask a lot of questions and things like that. And the one thing that became very clear is I had gotten the point to, to recognize and to want to be baptized. Right. My mother said, well, you know, when you were a baby, you were, you were sprinkled in the Episcopal Church. My mother, Church of England, <laughs> you know, they, anyway. And I said, uh, I said, no, Mom, you know, I need to be immersed. I need to be put under, anyway, another long story. But, um, and so I was interested to find out that this group of people from this Christian church in Wildwood believe that baptism was more than just some, you know, thing of secondary nature. They believe that it was part of being saved. And so I said, well, I'm going to go to the small group. So I went to the small group. And, um, and I'll tell you what happened was um, one night, Dan brought me home. My wife used to go get the baby from her mom's house. She would keep our baby while we went to the small group. And she went to get her, and Dan left me, let me off at home. And I went in the house, and um, the only thing I can describe this is, is I believe that God had one arm and the devil had the other one. It was like, which one are you going to do? And so I got scared to death. I had every light in the house on. Man, I turned everything on. Uh, I mean, even rooms I wasn't in, I turned lights on. I couldn't get the house lit up enough. So I made a decision right then and there, and so I called Dan, and I said, Dan, um, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to make this step. And he went, oh, you know, that's great. You know, Wednesday night, our Bible study was on, home group was on Monday night. He said, Wednesday night, you know, we'll baptize the church. I said, no, you don't understand. I don't want to go another night hmm. without knowing that I'm right with Christ. And so he called up my home preacher, Dave Pardue, and one of the elders. He's still an elder in that congregation. Dave also, my home preacher, has gone to be with the Lord since, since then. But uh, Dave McGrew was the elder, and Dave McGrew and Dave Pardue came, and they, they, we had a study. And at about, on, it was on August the 23rd, 1985, at about 1.15 in the morning. Oh, wow, you got it down. We went to Dan's house in his pool, and Dan baptized me into Christ. And so two years, two years went by, and I was really struggling that I was doing what I was supposed to be doing, what I was meant to do. And, Which was build houses, what you yeah, what you I, did I for mean, them. I thought that's what I was supposed to do my whole life. And, uh, and getting close, I think, for probably going off on my own. I worked for my wife's family. And, um, and um, I called my home preacher up, Dave Pardue, and I said, Hey, Dave, I said, you got any time this afternoon to come by and talk to you about something? He said, yeah. He said, um, I know, I know, I know you need to come talk to me. I was like, no. I said, Dave, this is so far-fetched. I, I haven't told Teresa this. Hmm. I need to I need to talk to you about something. He said, "Yeah, I know." I said, "Okay, smarty pants." What did he said? He said, "Man, you're you're struggling with ministry stuff." I'm like, "How do you know that?" He said, "I've watched you for two years." <laughs> you know, I mean, I got I got within six months of being a Christian, I was taken underneath two elders' wings mm. who started let they taught Sunday school classes and they started letting me be involved in teaching the class with them. That's awesome. And, and I started doing communion meditations and offering meditations. And I was on the missions team of the church, you know, that I was really involved. And we were, we were, matter of fact, I tell, I wish, I wish young families, they don't do it now. 
and I know you feel the same way. I didn't make plans in our life until I checked the church's calendar. Then I made plans based mm-hmm. on what we were involved in at church. And so um, I finally, um, Teresa and I, we talked, we prayed, we fasted for, for several weeks. We went and told our families. And that fall, we, uh, we sold our home. Uh, and then there's a lot of miraculous things about how all that worked out. We sold our home. We came to Johnson Bible College here in Knoxville. Yeah. And um, Johnson and University now. Yeah, Johnson University now. <laughs> we were students. We we were we were students there at, at Johnson Bible College in, um, that particular fall, and um, and so the rest is history. I did. I got offered to be trained in house in my home church, and and it really was um, it really was a great offer. And they've done, they have actually trained several guys since me. I mean, I'm the first Timothy out of the congregation. But what, what, what bothered me was every time I looked at open ministries, I would see four-year degree from one of our Bible colleges. And I'm thinking, you know, there, do I know any guys that, I only know one guy that didn't have a degree that's still preaching. I know some older guys that are doing that, but most guys have at least a four-year degree. And so that that's what decided to come to to Johnson. So you so, had you had two good mentors. To get, I, I had kind of I had studio. four good mentors, four. and not only that, but the last year that I was at the church, the uh, the elders met every Thursday morning for uh, prayer, and I got invited to that. So for a year, at five o'clock on Thursday mornings, we got together and prayed, and then. Um, Every uh, Friday morning, they studied together. And so for one year, the year before I went to Bible college, I met at 6 o'clock on Friday morning, 6 to 8, and we studied the issue of the women's role in the church for a year. Yeah. And so, yeah, I had, I, had, um, I had four really good mentors, and all of those mentors, with exception of Dave McGrew, who's still an elder in my home church, um, the other three are all have all gone to be with the Lord, but uh, yeah, very very good. Um, they, they elders doing what elders should do. Yes, with yeah. people I I was in thinking. the congregation that's that really say, I, I'm, "I'm not going to let you go till you bless me," and that's really where I was at. I grabbed a hold of the one elder named Joe Miller. I grabbed a hold of Joe Miller's arm and said, "I'm not letting go. You, <laughs> you bless me." And I grabbed a hold of Dave Pardue's arm. I'm not letting go. You bless me. And and so um, yeah, there there was there was the opportunity there. Yeah. And I recognized the opportunity, and they were open, and so I was going to grab a hold of them. And so I really for two for two years before we headed to Bible college, I really got a tutored education in Bible and in in uh, Joe, Joe Miller and I. You want to hear the strangest thing? Joe Miller and I went calling every Friday night together. Oh wow! We go to their house. We'd have soup and a sandwich. His wife and my wife would go off and shop somewhere. Joe and I'd go calling. And, and I'm telling you, calls like give you these two. They ended up being saints who gone to be with the Lord. But John and Ellie Overcleef, I'll never forget the call. They were, two, they were both Navy people hmm. and uh, owned a bar on the south side of Chicago. And the first time we met him, had the most filthy mouth I ever heard in my life. <laughs> I can imagine. But was with Joe Miller during this process of two or three months as Joe led them to a relationship with Jesus. Oh, wow. 
and and was there the night that they were baptized. You know, that was just that was incredible. I mean, they still were like sailors afterwards. You know, yeah. they still would uh, they still would end up having uh, um, you know kind of raunchy mouth sometimes things like that. But anyway, that's that's the kind of people I got to see and yeah. be involved. I mean, people that were real evangelism calls, not. Joe and I didn't go see people who were already Christians from some other church and try to get them to come to church. That was not the kind of calling we yeah, did yeah. for two years. Yeah, so that was, was just it was great stuff. Going knee deep into it. Yeah. Um, you said you've been in ministry for around thirty-five years now. Um, what what's some things that you do to keep yourself motivated? Um, you, number one, stay in the Word. Stay yeah, stay in the word. I mean, you, I see a lot of like young preachers, young preachers that their relationship with the word is, you know, like <laughs> this. You know, it's like uh, I, I, young preacher that worked with me, young minister that worked with me, um, could not, could not, um, like he would come to the office and. He might read a little bit of Bible there, and I'd be like, you know, did you, did you spend time like when you got up this morning? No, nope. mm-hmm. you know, I said, man, dude, I get up usually at five in the morning. I I spend time with God before I ever leave my house, before I ever come to the office. I don't want to wait until I get to the office. I want to get to the office. I want to do what I need to do. Yeah. And but I need to start my day with the Lord. So stay in the Word. Have a, have a strong prayer life. And, and I think have relationships with other guys that you can glean stuff from mm-hmm. and that you can encourage and be encouraged. I, I think um, I think Dave Pardue probably taught me the best. Dave Pardue said this, and, and it's probably been said a million times, is that every one of us, especially ministers, I think, need three people in their lives. And, and that's what I got from those guys I'm talking about. They need a Paul, somebody who pours into their life. Yeah. They need a Timothy, somebody that they can pour into, and then they need a Barnabas, somebody who encourages them along the way. That's and good. so that's good advice. Yeah, need to need to find those people in your life, and and have that constant relationship where you got people pouring. Now, now, be honest with you, you know, I I when I say I don't, I mean I do have um, Ben pours into me. Ben Peterman, I don't know how well you're acquainted with Ben because Ben preaches for for a Gateway Christian Church in Sevierville, but he's there Wednesday nights. He teaches the Bible study at church on Wednesday nights, but he preaches for for a con- little small congregation in Sevierville. Um, retired minister, right? Uh, you know, Spencer Garner pours into my life. Harold Ray, when when Harold was here in life, poured into my life. These are all older ministers that have poured into my life, and and so now you know. Lost Harold and you know Ben's gone on Sunday and so I get Spencer and you know Terry Ray is an elder and and uh, spent twenty years in youth ministry and Terry pours into my life even though he and I are nearly you know he's just a year or two older than I am but right. he still pours into my life. There's some things I've I've grown out of since I met Terry that used to be part of my life and I grew out of them as a result of him. And so yeah, I think it's important to have those three individuals and to look where you can pour into and then look find the encouragers in in your life and, and in the congregation where you're serving and and let them be encouraging to you along the way just to give the audience a, a idea about what one of the guys you just mentioned spencer he oh. he sent me a message today and just a, 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 
not a real long text, but I mean, it said quite a bit, just encouraging the worship team. Yeah. And I said, well, I'm going to, I'm going to forward this on to everybody else. And he says, yes, go right ahead. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he is a great. He's a great encourager. Yeah, he really is. He sure is. They're they're uh, they're awesome people. Um, I'll ask you one one little question, then we'll get into the to the to the to the meat, I guess, or whatever you want to call it, to the biggie. Um, if you do, you have a favorite Bible passage or a Bible story, verse, passage. Well, I mean, I think is I think as far as stories, I mean, I I have favorite stories. Um, I don't, I mean, I don't, I've got so many passages that I have that I favor, <laughs> that I love, <laughs> that I love. Um, I don't know. One of my, I'd say one of my favorites is, um, is Acts 2.42, and they devoted to the Apostles' Teaching Fellowship, Breaking of Bread and Prayer, because I think it identifies and keeps us directed hmm. by being attached to those things. Um, but stories, I, I love the story of Naomi and Ruth. I love it. Yeah, it's I mean, a good story. It's, yeah, it's it's just kind of hard not to love that story, and and I also and, and I know all the things about God not being formally mentioned, but I love the story of Esther. I mean, I I can tell everybody, I can tell anybody the story of Esther just from heart. Yeah. So you know, I love things like that particularly, and you know, they're the story of Moses going to Pharaoh and you know let my people go and all the plagues. Um, I love Luke 15. I love the, you know, the, the prodigal son. You know, you can't help but, you know, some of the parables you just fall in love oh, with yeah. the way they're told, and that one particularly. But, yeah, so probably those stories are all um, Daniel, the stories of Daniel, of, of Daniel Lyons Den, of Shadrach and Meshach, Meshach and Abednego. So, I, yeah, I mean, they're, they're, I have a lot of favorites, but, you know, there's too many verses to say I have a favorite. A favorite. Yeah. You know, obviously, I have on my door, on my back door, unless you go to see the back door, you don't see it, but I have on the back door a big plaque that says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And so, you know, Philippians 4.13, and I think, you know, that's probably as, you know, good as you can get. Yeah. Well, uh, what was the the Greek teacher, Fried Harbin, that, uh, uh, not Lester Flat, Dow, wasn't it Dow Flat? Wasn't it? Dow, Dow, Dow Flat. Dow Flat, yeah. Yeah. Um, Hey, that one that what you just mentioned that verse, and I always think of him because he says most people take that verse out of context, and he says a better translation for that verse is "I can endure all things through Christ." Yeah, yeah. I actually um, somebody used that verse with me not very long ago, and I said, "You realize that doesn't actually mean what you're saying." I mean, it's, there's there's something more to the verse. Let me tell you what's more to the verse, and uh, <laughs> and we we had kind of that conversation. You know, the, the the fact of the matter is, you know, you 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 can deal with the circumstances because of the strength that Christ gives you, but you know, not not sometimes there's nothing you can do about something. Yeah. You have to leave it in God's hands. Yeah. So we we, we just happened to talk about that. It was yeah. just that was maybe a week or so, two weeks ago. Any time I hear that verse, I I think that's the one thing that I learned from Greek. Uh, the Greek class I took with him for two semesters. I, I just remember him saying that, and it's always stuck with me. I don't know why. Yeah, you know, in, in, as far as in education, I think one of the best experiences I had, I mean, I, you you didn't know because you're not a Johnson person, but you didn't know Dr. Robert Black, who just, man, the, the Old Testament made it come alive. Mm-hmm. Um, Brad Burnett, one of the best Life of Christ teachers you could possibly imagine. I mean, Brad Burnett made the, made the Life of Christ like, like you could smell the dung 
as he was oh, telling wow. the stories. Yeah, I mean, he just he did that. But um, one of the best experiences I had with any teacher, and I don't know if you had him or not at Freed, but Roland Pack. Mm-mm, I didn't have him. R- Roland Pack taught our intro to graduates. I learned more stuff in intro to graduate studies than anything I had learned in in uh, college at that point. Wow. Just just because he, he taught tools. He taught tools. There were tools I had no idea existed. That I mean, I'm saying I'm saying there was a there was a hole this big in my preaching stuff because I was never taught that stuff and should have been. Yeah. You know, for example, a good commentary will have if you if you got the book and you open up and the front of it's going to tell you every source that he pulled from. Hmm. So guess what? I don't just look at what he says. I go back to some of the sources that he looked at yeah. and see for myself. You know, stuff like that. But Roland Pack. Roland Pat gave me tools for ministry and for preaching and for learning Bible and even for dealing with language stuff that I never was given before. And so I just really, I'm thankful for, for Roland and for that, that one class with him. Absolutely. I think good professors. I, I don't know anybody at Johnson, which is sad, but uh, and I hardly remember anybody from Freed. It's been so long ago. Um well, our, our goal at, at, with 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 doing the Grind It podcast is is uh, well, the number one goal is is we study the Bible. We break, and you mentioned the, the um, um, parables, and that's actually what we're dealing with in Matthew. Right, I'm covering the book of Matthew. But uh, one of the things that, that that my goal is with the the podcast, and one of the reasons why I asked you uh, if you would let me interview you, is uh, is People have life challenges. We all go through something uh, or some things. Storms come and storms go. Um, and so my goal with the, the podcast is to encourage people who, you know, like that may be going through something right now, a difficult time, or, you know, maybe they've just gone through something, but, you know. Um, and so I'd just like to offer some encouragement. And, and so uh, with me asking you if I can inter- interview you, um, would you share with the audience um, a, a life challenge? I, I, I'm assuming you're going to talk about the, the big one that we've been facing for the past, what, five months as a congregation and you and your family. Um, but would you share a life challenge and how God has either brought you through it or, or is bringing you through it? Yeah, I mean, the, the life challenge, and of course you already know it. September 1st, my wife and I were, um, we went to Phoenix, flew to Phoenix from Knoxville and Going to visit our little daughter and her husband for a week. We we do a lot of go hiking and do a lot of stuff, you know, in the mountains out in the desert and things like that. We went to get off the plane and first time we ever took carry-ons and ever in a flight. We always checked baggage, and I reached up to get carry-on one of the carry-ons out, and when I brought it to set it down, my arm broke about three inches above my elbow. And so, of course, I can't, you know, I'm going to try to describe the pain. Mm -hmm. But my wife, who's an RN, I had my sweatshirt with me. She quickly grabbed the sweatshirt, got it around my arm, pulled it to me, made me sit down, said, let's just, you know, the people next across the aisle got our bags out. When they got up, got the other bag out, and they just put them up in the seats to get the aisle clear so everybody could empty the plane. By the time... I got to the, they got everybody off and they took me um, uh, by wheelchair up the ramp. Uh, EMTs, firefighters, stuff were waiting already there. And so they did a bunch of checking 
and said, oh, yeah, definitely broken. You know, we're going to take you to Banner Hospital. And so I, I took by ambulance from the airport, Banner Hospital. They did x-rays. The orthopedic doctor came down from upstairs. And first words out of her mouth, she said, is how long have you been battling bone cancer? And I said, what are you talking about? I'm not, I don't have bone cancer. She said, yes, you do. She said, your arm, actually, there was a tumor in your humerus right there, and your arm broke right through that tumor. Mm. And so um, she said, we could put you in the hospital here, and you'd be here about 12 or 14 days. We have to identify what kind of cancer and that kind of stuff, and then we do the surgery to repair your arm. Or we would recommend the better is to get you on a plane as quick as we can and get you home and get started with your doctors close to home. And so we opted to do that and they put this um, two piece plastic. It was, it, it went from about here to here and here to here. It was two piece plastic sleeve that was fastened down really tight with Velcro straps. And that kept everything in place until I got home. So, of course, it wasn't long until I was um, seeing the oncologist, and the oncologist said, I, you know, I doubt this is myeloma. I mean, you're looking at your blood work. It's just small, but we're going to have to do a bone marrow biopsy to determine bone marrow biopsy came back. Stage 3 um, with four mutations, it's called. And so said, you know, I, don't, I think you're going to do really well. We start the chemo. Took... The 24th of September, I finally got in to see, I had to have the arm fixed by the only orthopedic oncology surgeon in all of East Tennessee is at UT. And I had to wait till the 24th of September to get my arm fixed. So I went 23 days with the arm broken. I remember. And, um, yeah. And so, uh, yeah, long story short is I went on, on the chemo stuff. And um, as of uh, as of yesterday, we were trying to get to a point to get ready for a stem cell transplant, which is going to give me the best possibility of a long-term remission because myeloma can't be cured. It's basically they try to get you in remission with that to buy time yeah. because they, they believe, doctors believe in the next five years, they're going to have that total absolute cure plus... Right now, like, okay, so here's the medicine I've used. There's still a stack on the table if you come out of remission and or when you come out of remission to move on to the next medicine to get you back. So it's really a buying time thing. But um, just found out yesterday, and here's the here's the good news. Wait, is, before you say this, yeah. before you say the good news, you've all, you only, say I came on in August, and we, you found this out the first week of September. Yeah. And I preached one Sunday. Corey preached one Sunday. I think you've only missed two I've Sundays. Missed two Sundays since since then, and one was one was when I first got back, and the other one was after, I think was after I had the surgery. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, and, and that's what I do. I mean, I love to preach, and so I don't, I don't. It's gonna, I'm gonna be out like six to eight weeks. Um, starting in mid-March when they do the stem cell transplant and uh, that really bothers me because that's going to bother you worse than the the stem cell yeah yeah so (laughs) anyway the long story short is on this is okay yes I had I had medicine I've had you know four rounds of chemo Um, I've had now I've started on bone builder because one of the things this did it, it gave me two gifts 
um, when they had when they fixed my arm four days after I got up and my hand was flopped like this and it wouldn't pick up. It's called radial nerve palsy. That's what this brace is for. Um, I'm still going to physical therapy trying to get that back. But of course, it's one of those deals where depending on where it's palsied in your arm, it's an inch a month to get it back. Hmm. So it could be, you know, 12, it could be a year. It could be, they said, it could be as long as two years to come back. Wow. So we're working on that. Um, but um, basically, you know, I, I got this medicine, but I'm, but I'm going to tell you outright, this is not the result of medicine. And this is not the result of physical therapy. This is not the result of just good doctors. This is the result of God's praying people. Yeah. Prayers, prayers in our congregation have gone up. Um, I get daily text messages from people in our congregation that said, I just got done praying for you. Mm. Um, it's not just here, but in, in 35 years, I've served five congregations. All five of those congregations are praying for us. Um, I have missionary friends that are praying for us. I have uh, high school friends that are praying for us. We we have people literally all over the country and parts of the world that are praying for us. Awesome. And so where we've gotten to at this point is not... I, I love the doctors that I have, don't get me wrong, and I'm fond that we have the medicine system we do, but the result that we have is because of the prayers of God's people. God is answering the prayers of his people. Do I deserve it? No. But they're being they're praying on my behalf and and the one thing that we as a family are doing is we're glorifying God for this. You know, we're thankful for medicine, don't get me wrong, and we're thankful for UT Hospital and I'm thankful for Blunt Memorial where I've had radiation treatments and stuff. I'm thankful for all that. But I'll never be as thankful for that as I am for God answering prayer. Amen. And and so that's that's the you know, the the everything in life, everybody has to deal with issues sometime or another. And the best thing that we can do for anybody in those things, and the best thing you can do for yourself is go to the throne yeah. and, and go where it counts. Instead of counting on medicine and counting on therapies and counting on this and counting on that, count on the one who made us and who, I mean, if he chose to, let's be honest, if God chose to, there, there are people in our congregation that told me they're just praying for healing, just that God miraculously heals. Yeah. Well, that hadn't happened, and that's okay, but... He could. He could. Yeah. I know people, you've known people that probably were miraculously healed. Whatever God, however God chooses. But I know that we're where we're at now because of the prayers of God's people. And he is, he is working on, has been working, has, has been and will continue to work on my body because of the prayers of his people continually petitioning at the throne for, for me. Yeah, and so you said, um, you, you you made an announcement to the congregation, what, about two weeks ago, was it? Yep. Uh, that, that you are... In, in technical remission. Technical remission. full remission. And now it's right. full remission. So uh, I think you were about to get into to what, you're, what you found out yesterday. So I, I cut you off before you got into that. Oh, I see. So, so yeah, so yesterday I am... Uh, my bone marrow, I had a bone marrow biopsy um, a week and a half ago, and um, the bone marrow biopsy yesterday, the transplant doctor said, came back completely clean, no trace of myeloma in it. That's awesome. And um, 
And so this next week, I, I will have several tests. And the 28th, I will. I've got to have tests on my heart and my lungs just to make sure everything's good there. Because, you know, to be honest with you, um, the first thing that happens when you go into the hospital for your transplant, they give you a shot of this chemo that's so powerful within 24 hours it kills all your bone marrow out. Hmm. And um, so, you know, you're going, you have to have support you know, oxygen, you might have to have blood because your blood levels are going to drop down. I mean, essentially your white blood cell count goes to nearly zero. Um, and so it, it does a number on your body. And so they're, you know, they're saying you're going to feel like garbage. Yeah. <laughs> uh, one word that he used, but that's okay. <laughs> you're going to feel like garbage and you're going to feel like uh, not only do you not want to get out of bed, but you don't even want to pick your head off the bed for a few days. And so, you know, he's, he, he basically is just preparing me. Um, so we're, anyway, all, all that, that, those tests have to be done. And, and here's how God has lined up things, not only answering the prayers of people that I would have clean bone marrow at this point. My, my, the insurance that my wife and I have through her job um, is the only insurance, private insurance that, UT is accepting for wow. the stem cell transplant. And so they had a deal with my insurance company. And, you know, it's a well-known insurance company. I don't name it, but it's, it's well-known insurance company, you know, health insurance company. And they've already, they have struck, they were somehow they struck a deal with them first to cover this and they're jumped right on board with it. And so not any other commercial insurance companies yet. And That's so, great. you know, the fact is, a stem cell transplant when you spend two weeks in the hospital and all that stuff's very expensive. I can imagine. And so I am appreciate that we our insurance is going to everything if everything's okay with all my tests, our insurance is gonna be a yes. We you know. And so that's 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 great news too. So um end the end of the great news is um I there they I gotta go through those tests and right now um, the schedule for my stem cell transplant is going to be mid-March. And um, um, I have several. They will be sending me shortly by email a calendar that shows each, because I'm going to have to go for a week every day to UT and have a shot of, of a medicine that's going to bring the stem cells into my bloodstream. Um, and there's a lot of things. I'm going to be making a lot of trips to UT to get ready to go in the hospital at mid-March. Yeah. And so, and, and again... You know that's okay. God's got us this far. He's going to get us that far too. Absolutely. And so that's that's a wrap. Good news was the be, the best news that we got yesterday was transplant doctor said, "Look, I just want you to know, you did so well getting into remission. You are going to do exceptionally well with a stem cell transplant. And I just want you to know that up front because of how one is is actually." Uh, a pointer to how you're going to deal with the other part. And so we're, we're excited about that. We're excited that, you know, God's going to be with us on that too. Yeah, it reminds me of Hebrews 12, 1. You're surrounded by such a cloud of witnesses. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we got you back. You know, we do. Um, well, like I said, you know, people, there's people out there who are facing cancer. Yeah. Uh, there's people out there who've lost loved ones to cancer. There's just all kinds of life challenges out there. So before we end our uh, interview, I, I want you to pray um, for people who are. Fa- well, let me let me let me say one other thing too. Yeah, sure. And and, and and I I'm amazed. 
I'm amazed in the last, let's just say in the last five years, I'm amazed in the last five years about the number of Christian people who will tell me about something they're struggling with but don't want us to pray for them. Mm-hmm. I, I'm amazed about that. That is and, and, weird. And, it, and, and if there's anything I'd tell somebody who's struggling, who just got hearing the C word, or they just got told by a spouse, you know, I want a divorce, or they just got told that they have a child who's got some dis, you know, some health disorder. The first thing that I would do is run to the family of God and say, "Please, mm-hmm. please pray for me." Do you think that is pride? I think it's I think it's pride, in in, in somehow or other, it's gotten to be where. Um, everybody's like afraid for you to know their business kind of thing. But the body of Christ should be close enough. You know, families, I, it'd be absurd if I said I didn't know what went on in my own household, right? Mm-hmm. I, we know one another's business. Um, and the thing is, the family of God should be close enough that we should know there's something wrong and say, something's wrong. What what can I pray for you for? You know, how can I pray for you? But but the people at the same time, kinda like the kind of like at the end of James about calling the elders to anoint with oil, you know, their responsibility to ask for it. I, it, it is that Christians need to not be afraid to divulge to brothers and sisters in Christ mm-hmm. and, and, and run to them and say Please pray for me. I mean, not just run to God themselves too, but run to brothers and sisters. I mean, we're not talking about one petition. We're talking about you know we got a whole choir of petitions going up. Yeah, yeah, sure. And 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 not. I mean, I I, I just say to them, I say, are, you know, are you sure? Because, gosh, if if I just found out that I had what you had, I'd want as many people praying yeah. for me as could. It's a great be. asset to have the body of Christ praying yeah. for you on your behalf. Yeah, lifting you up to the I'm throne like, of why, God. Why, I mean. why, yeah. So so don't don't. You know, if you have some issue or some problem, health or, you know, whatever it might be in your life, is 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 run to the body and and get your brothers and sisters in Christ involved in lit, putting you before the throne. Mm-hmm. Not, not only lead to that, but it'll lead you to the three thing I've seen over and over. And it's not just because I'm a preacher, because I think we do this as a whole in, in the body that we serve is... is Great encouragement, mm-hmm. like the just text message. Hey, I'm just thinking about you today. Yeah. You know, and that happens as part of that too. And and so we, you know, throw this idea out that I'm afraid somebody's going to know my business or I don't want somebody to know my business, but and 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 let them know your business so they can take it to God and make it His business too. Yeah, I mean. And and the multitude of voices. You know, the 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 prayers of a righteous man avail much. How about the prayers of a bunch of righteous yes. people availing much? Yeah. And so, I mean, I'm, I know that from my own experience, what we've gone through since September of last year is, uh, is, is, is I feel sad for people that are afraid to tell brothers and sisters in Christ what they're dealing with or struggling with and what, you know, that they are afraid to ask for the body to be in prayer for them. Mm-hmm. I really, really am. So, yeah. And so that's my, that's my last piece of advice. Don't 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 wait, don't wait. Get get God's people involved in it, because prayers are going to change. Totally, Absolutely. they're going to change, and so uh, they're going to change things. And you're going to be amazed at what God does, not just with your prayers, but when He does with the prayers of the body, 
and and a multitude of voices are coming to the throne for you. Yeah. So, yeah. And before you say the prayer, I, sure. I just want to uh, just say this: if if you do have uh, not you, just the, the audience in general, if you do have a, a, a prayer request, you do have something going on in your life, a life challenge, you're going through a storm right now, and you need us to pray for you. Uh, just be sure to email us at thegrinditpodcast at gmail.com, and we will uh, get back with you very promptly. All right, if you will, if you just... Sure, that's right. awesome, man. Father God, we, uh, I just praise you for the time that we spent together here. And there certainly is among us, not, not just us, because we all have some struggles, but there certainly is even among us and the body that we serve, in the bodies of Christ that we know in this area and the people that we know in, in this community, sometimes in our families, uh, sometimes in friendships, maybe work relationships, maybe, um, maybe people that we just meet, maybe sitting on a bench at a Walmart or, or sitting on the bench outside of a, of a store or, or a, a bump into somebody in a convenience store just picking up a Coke. And, and, and there are people among us that are struggling with health issues and marriage issues and children issues and money issues and especially in, in, in the economy that we're living in right now, being able to make ends meet and, and struggle and, and adding all those things on top. And so, Father, we, uh, we just want to lift up those folks. And I pray that they would take advantage of, of contacting Randy and asking for prayer that they would take advantage of going to the bodies of Christ, if, if they belong to one, if they don't, that, that they would find one soon, that they would not be afraid to share their, their struggles and their needs with uh, and, and ask the body of Christ to continually bring them before the throne. So I, I pray that you, you would just, uh, whatever, whatever folks hear this and whatever struggle it may be, health, finances, marriage, family, job issues, money issues, whatever it might be, that, Father, you would, uh, you would intervene and that you would even begin to show them already the power of prayer at work in their lives. And so we, we want to lift them up. We pray that you would pour out the blessings of heaven on their lives, that brothers and sisters in Christ would be faithful to encourage them uh, and, and also to lift them before your throne. I thank you for Randy and for the podcast that he has and pray your blessings on him well into the future as he uh, continues this ministry that it would touch lives and, uh, and bring people to you and closer to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for that prayer. Thank you for the encouraging words and thank you for your time. Thanks, man. I God appreciate you. Really do. And we got you back on down the road. And uh, really, <laughs> really looking forward to listening to more of your podcasts. All right. So, yeah, thanks again. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Ground It Podcast. If we could pray for you or encourage you in any way, please email us at thegrounditpodcast at gmail.com or you can text us at 865-418-2824. If you're watching on YouTube, please click like and subscribe and you'll be notified about new episodes. If you're listening on an app, leave us a five-star review, but most importantly, share the Grounded Podcast with a friend. God bless you and remember, keep grinding.